You are now tuning in to Let's Be Honest with host Just Jonda. Welcome to Let's Be Honest with Just Jonda. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and tonight, as promised, I get to have so much fun because I am going to talk about The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Episode 2. Now, quite frankly, I didn't pay attention to what the title of the episode was. I don't think it matters because once Jen said, bring it to the, bun- bring it to the bunny hill, bitch, as far as I'm concerned, that's the title of the episode. In fact, that should be the title of every episode. So before I get into the specifics, let me just go into a little behind the scenes tea so that You know, if there's anything that I have learned about these folks, I want to definitely let you know. So let's start with uh, Mary Cosby. She wasn't in this episode much in terms of, well, she was, let's say she was there the entire time, but she did not get very much exclusive airtime from the standpoint of home and family and and all of that she had the interaction with jen in the beginning but that was pretty much it but it's obvious we're gonna see a lot more in episode three which is already up i'm trying not to watch it because i want to watch it with all of you next week so i guess we'll see if i hold out anywho um i believe that i've given you all most of the scoop on her we do know that she was married before the good bishop i think it's fair to say that everybody has figured out that the whole it was in my grandmother's will is bunk and i believe i talked about that last week uh come on it wasn't in the will she's previously married there's some question about shenanigans going on between her and her step grandpa prior to the actual marriage and her and the husband something dana is the name that they cozied up to him maybe even lived with him for a minute and then suddenly the husband gets tossed thrown out of the church and he comes be and the bishop goes before the congregation tells them that god said that um mary was meant for him and they got married in the meantime there was so much mess as it relates to mama or big mama cosby i keep calling her crosby right cosby who is the matriarch of the family the person who pretty much is responsible for what was once the family fortune there was a lot of drama around her death which most of the family felt was a bit suspicious especially given the fact that she was only about 66 
And according to the family in relatively good health, the next thing you know, she's in Florida for a period of time. Nobody's really allowed to talk to her or have much contact with her. Bobby, but I guess they call him Bishop Cosby, ran interference there. The next thing you know, she's dead of a supposed heart attack. Now, the part that I didn't uh, get into last week is that this got so ugly that her daughter and Mary, uh, Mary Martha, Mary Martha's mother is one of the main opponents of this situation and always has been. So this notion that her mother supported it, maybe other relatives stood by quietly because they were hoping for a piece of the pie, but her mother, no ma'am. So her mother was the one that raised the biggest stink and grandma's body was actually exhumed in order to determine whether or not there was foul play. So does that sound like something everybody was good with, this alleged will story? Of course not. And litigation has gone on for years. Uh, I believe I told you all as recently as 2007. And now Mary's Mary Martha, so Mary Martha Cosby, but I'll, for these purposes, I'll call her Mary Martha. Her mother has her own church in the same area, whereas theirs, Mary and Bobby's is called Faith Temple. Her mother's is called Mama's Faith Temple because Mama was a well-known figure in that area. So of course that reminds people of who uh, Mary Martha's mother is. And pretty much half the congregation went with her. She was actually the minister of music at the church. So that was what she was known for. And if you Google Mama's Faith Temple, you will even see a news item from, I believe it was about 2014, where Mama's Faith Temple Choir sang on the news. So the being a minister of music and making sure that she has a bumping choir is obviously something that um, Mama, Cros Mama Cosby's daughter who is the mother of Mary Martha, is still very much into. So that's pretty much, I think that people have basically beat that situation to death. I think that once we start actually seeing a little more of the family dynamic, if they even show us that, then we'll get a little deeper into it. Of course, there's allegations about the church allegedly being a, a cult and some members who, I mean, the members of this church have been calling every blogger on the planet to air these folks out. And the whole thing about, I did look up this whole um, odor gland surgery, and it is a thing. Usually it, it is the glands that control, excuse me, that control your odor, um, and they or some of them are in the chest area. So I gather if you're getting them all removed, it can be pretty serious surgery. She claims that she got them removed because hers were doing something. They were causing some kind of condition that caused boils. Now, I'm not saying that that isn't entirely possible. I think that people may be raising an eyebrow to it and understandably so because literally in the same episode a few scenes before we saw another cast member 
getting Botox in her armpits so that she wouldn't sweat. And now you got another cast member talking about getting her older glands removed entirely. So I could see where, and I, and I kind of felt the same way as an audience member. You're like, okay, so is that just the thing among this set of women, not wanting to sweat, not wanting to smell, etc. So that may or may not be true about why she did it. But if you look at the pictures of this woman, she literally went from almost being a dead ringer for Candy Burris in her early escape days to looking like she's attempting to be Latoya Jackson. Everything from the nose to the brow to the actual complexion, it is it is almost disturbing, especially the complexion because she's hardly looks like she has one, not tan, not light, nothing. So very strange. So that is the Mary news. Now, Whitney, who was definitely a star in this episode, and as far as I'm concerned, I ended this episode being team Whitney, and I'll talk about why. Um, Whitney did... Uh, talked about actually on Twitter she didn't even do an interview she said on Twitter that Heather was wrong she did not get excommunicated from the church that she walked away uh, Heather said last week and I think she even mentioned it again this week that Whitney was excommunicated from the church she was not she said that she walked away which would kind of make sense because given everything that was going down it certainly wasn't going to be a good situation anyway. So I think it was kind of like a, I'm quit your, I quit your fire type thing. Um, and so, or what came first, the chicken or the egg, depending, you know, depending on who you talk to. And I don't know why Heather, even later in the episode seemed really invested and all, and seemed like she was almost offended with the notion that, Whitney would be exploring something other than Mormonism with her father and um, talking about how other churches might treat him versus how the Mormon church might treat him as a person with an addiction. And I just found uh, Heather, although I like Heather, I found her behavior as it relates to that and sort of her overall um, attitude towards Whitney as it relates to that to be odd considering that Whitney has never said anything bad about the Mormon church. She just simply said that she wasn't a part of it anymore or it didn't fit with who she wants to be. But she's never said anything flat out negative about it at all. Whereas Heather 100% did. In the first episode, she flat out said that she couldn't be a member of any longer of the Mormon church, despite being Mormon royalty, because they are against everything she likes, i.e. Uh, black men, rap music, and uh, LGBTQ friends. That came from Heather, not from Whitney. And did I have it? Oh, Lisa, final word behind the scenes on Lisa. Well, for those of you who are Vanderpump Rules watchers, Katie uh, from Vanderpump Rules, I believe Katie is married to the other Tom, not Sandoval. I forget, but you know who I'm talking about. The one who is best friends. Sorry, I had to drink a little water there. 
the woman who is best friends with Stasi, one of the mean girls. Katie uh, said in a brief, you might hear a little bit of unwrapping, but bear with me because I'm tossing in a halls. She mentioned that she was from <clears throat> the Utah area and she said that she goes to a lot of the parties, especially the ones in Park City. And, you know, during con and everything, I mean, not con, what am I thinking? I'm thinking of film festival, Sundance. And of all the people that she knows you have to get into contact with and hang with as it relates to um, getting into the parties and the big names, Lisa's not one of them. Never even heard of her. That doesn't surprise me, given how much Lisa thinks of herself. Next, I'm going to get down to business with this episode. I'm back. Now, let's get into the next storyline that I think we're going to see take off a little more as the season goes on. And this one... um had a little behind the scenes on this too. I think I already told you. Did I tell you? Yes, I did. So Meredith's husband during their dinner lets the cat out of the bag, at least for the audience who doesn't know about the marital problems that they already had. Let the cat uh, let the cat out of the bag that they're separated. When he asks her whether or not um whether or not she had told anybody about their situation. Now, I got to tell you, this was so awkward. This was awkward to watch. I mean, it, this was probably one of the most genuine moments of the show. And I don't mean every single thing that happened, because I think that Meredith's husband, like their son, are clearly the individuals in the family with the actual personalities. So they know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. And that's not to say that I think he was necessarily doing it in this scene. He definitely does it in the confessionals because you could look at her face and tell that it annoys the hell out of her. But um, I think that this, just in the way it made me feel as an audience member it was genuine in its level of awkwardness in what it evoked in you as the viewer where you're like these people can't act that well and given that Meredith's face is frozen to a level of almost zero expression for there to still be awkwardness exuding from her this was was real Again, maybe some of the dialogue put on a bit, but uh, because, you know, I think him actually coming out with it in that moment, again, maybe a little producer driven, but the actual body language and feeling between them, yikes. The phone thing, maybe a little performative, but other than that, it was definitely real. The fact that he tried to engage her, tell me something about you that I don't know. 
I don't think that that's a bad question. I actually I think it's kind of fun. You know, you could live with somebody forever and find out something new about them almost every day. And that's not a bad thing. It keeps life interesting. Because who literally sits down and could even remember how how to tell someone every single thing that happened in their lives? First of all, that would be very odd. You can write your entire autobiography and you wrote it. And once you have finished with it, you can go back and read it and still be like, dang, I didn't say this, that, and a third. So, yeah, disturbing. And the fact that she turned it around on him and didn't even ask, I'm going to hope that she did answer the question and it was just cut out because if she didn't, yik. And, um, yeah, it, the whole thing was just awkward. The phone thing, I think, was really to whether it was something that was produced that way, although that seems to, based on the previews, come up again. So that might lend itself to it not being produced that way. But anyway, the phone thing was also awkward as well. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about the whole phone thing. I don't think that anybody should be made to feel some kind of way about not sharing their phone but at the same time i think that given that they are going through a rough patch and among other things that may breed some level of mistrust then especially given the fact that he is quite vocal because this is the second time he's alluded to it about the fact that he's not getting any I think that like a lot of men because this is absolutely not something that is an original thought to him that if she's not getting it from me she's getting it from somewhere else at some point we liked to have sex and I know that she likes sex so who's she getting it from so we know that there is some level of insecurity that comes into this. But like I said, I have mixed feelings when it comes to that because I do think um, as adults, not necessarily kids, but I, as adults, I do think there's something to be said for individuals having um, privacy. And phones have now turned into something that involves that, even if there is nothing at all nefarious going on, but... If you go through someone's text messages, you could even get your feelings heard about what she's discussing with her girlfriends. I mean, and, and you know, it could be about you. So, and again, you also add to it the fact that even if she doesn't have any particular hangups about that, and or there is no infidelity, which I still think is what this was really about. Um, if I'm not feeling you like that, I don't think I really need to share anything more that with you than I already am. You want to share something with me, you come and share my birthday with me. Although the fact that they were separated does speak to some of that. 
But then on the flip side of that, you also have the whole roses thing. So I would also wonder about the timing of all of this in terms of the sequence. And I know that I'm, I tend to go a little behind the scenes here, but I think that's what makes my reviews more interesting. I would be a little um, interested in the sequence, the true sequence of the events, like the birthday surprise with the son, Brooks, versus, and I'm talking about the whole Roses thing, which was still a little creepy, um, considering that he wasn't there and had the son set it up. That in relation to the actual party, in relation to when they had this dinner, especially when you consider that at the dinner, neither the birthday or the party were actually discussed. So I am left to wonder whether or not these things were shown to us out of the sequence of when they were actually filmed, i.e. that the filming of that dinner was actually prior to the birthday and the party. Because I just don't see a scenario where, if this was a genuine conversation, of course, where that would not have been a topic of conversation, especially when we are talking about re-engaging and trying as it relates to this marriage, especially when you are literally, when you're talking about engaging literally as it relates to each of us looking into each other's eyes and the fact that we need to do more to put actual effort into this marriage. That is a conversation that makes absolutely zero sense after I have missed not only your actual birthday, but your birthday party as well. Even if it was just in an excuse for them to have some big scene to show for the first episode, which we know it was because I, I don't think that there would be a snowball's chance in hell that Meredith would allow Jen to get to have carte blanche in throwing her a birthday party where she didn't participate in the planning at all. Not to say that she wouldn't let her plan it. It is my understanding. I don't know how true it is because we know people give themselves all kinds of titles. An event planner is definitely one of them. So is marketing manager. And both of those are titles that Jen has if you look at any of her social media. Now, whether or not that is actually true, I can't speak to it. But even if it is true, Meredith hardly seems, Meredith, I'm sorry, hardly seems like the type of person on, in any conceivable way, even if it is a gift that she would allow someone to host a party for her that her friends would be attending. And maybe that's it. Maybe none of her real friends actually came because she she's just not that type of person there's i mean i don't have to explain it you see it so um yeah i i don't buy i buy the scene i just don't buy the sequence of when those events occurred 
So next we have Whitney and her dad. Her dad, who in episode one, when we saw him at the wedding, we thought was an aging rocker. And surprise, surprise, he still looks like an aging rocker. But instead, despite the bad length of his hair and the color and it, it just looking like one of those old style biker helmets, um, you know, the ones that, uh, you know, looks like, you know, something that German soldiers wore in, in 1929. Um, he is actually a former and soon to be again salon owner. And um, he actually had a hair care brand and a beauty school and which all, all of those things are big business hair care. Everybody and their mom is slapping their name on a bottle, but beauty schools are still big business and even for salons i don't care if we are in a recession covid you name it folks are always gonna get their hair done so um at any rate he was he actually built the family fortune doing that millions which he subsequently lost because of an addiction to painkillers and an addiction that got worse when she was a teen and the parents divorced she was very close to him the relationship obviously went through what relationships go through when uh, you have a young person and then a, a parent with an addiction, which um, it sounds like she didn't know about initially, which is understandable because she was young. But she is, as daddy's girls do, she is the only one who stood by his side and, and God bless her. And um, I just really liked that they talked about his addiction and recovery and they talked about it in a real way, not in the, um, well, this is something that happened and I'm over it. Her father, you know, put it out there. This is something he'll be dealing with for the rest of his life. And I gotta say, as a side note, that is one of the things I'm enjoying about this show is the fact that they have been talking mostly, I mean, this is the first time they talked about addiction, but um, even when they talk about the church stuff, because you can't be in Utah in this not come up. And I know for some people, they're like, oh, I don't want to go through a whole um, series where they're constantly talking about the church. Well, you're, you're watching the wrong show. When you have a place, and I think I talked about this in the first episode, where the... Mormonism and well, any church, it doesn't even have to be Mormonism, where the church is so completely ingrained in everything that they do in their lives. And in their case, in the establishment of their very community. I mean, you know, the establishment of, of you know, Utah is a place where um, many Mormons settled and, and still live and all of that is very much, um, you know, a part of the Western expansion story of the United States. Um, it's certainly to that area. And it was built and cultivated and fortunes made. Uh, so it is, it is very much about that story. And yes, there may be some things that got a little kooky and then just downright wrong at certain points, but it is still a part of it. And so I appreciate that 
it's almost the seventh housewife. Next, a day at the slope. So this is where we get back to the main conflict in the story. We know that um, at this point, Heather feels some kind of way about Lisa, although that's just ridiculous and I'll get, uh, yeah. Well, you know what? I'm not even gonna wait. It's ridiculous. Heather, you're a grown ass woman with two kids. You have this business that is supposed to be worth about 20 million. And I'm not going to knock that because you are in a business that's quite lucrative. And as long as people want to get their faces pulled, shot, slapped, zip, rub it up, flip it, rub it down, oh no, whatever, then you are doing well. And the type of business you're in, barring you screwing uh, your place of business, screwing someone up and, uh, you know, <laughs> just you being knocked out of business, you you chose wisely. So at any rate, we know that she has a problem with Lisa, and I'm going to say, girl, who freaking cares? Lisa ain't paying your bills. Lisa's not doing anything for you. Lisa, if she doesn't like you, <clears throat> like you, <clears throat> or claim that she doesn't know you, so what? shouldn't talk on the phone for two hours straight before recording, but we're going to keep going anyway, all for you. So let's get into this week's episode. And like I said, my title for this episode is Bring It to the Bunny Hill, Bitch. We pick up where we left off last week. Jen Shaw is still going off. Now, in my opinion, this is probably very producer prompted because each of them has someone producing them. And if you've ever watched the show Unreal on Lifetime, it, it is eye-opening for those of you who don't know how this stuff really works behind the scenes. So I definitely think as much as I'm digging Jen and the ladies, what they're trying to bring and what they're doing, I also think that like any show, ever so often, you may have some scenes or at least some people that are being a bit overproduced, which is unfortunate because then it casts the person in not so great a light. But at any rate, that is what I think is happening with Jen Shaw in this moment because all the yelling and the screaming and people coming in trying to calm her down and she is just beyond, beyond as it relates to these alleged comments by Mary. I just don't get it. And really not alleged comments. We saw her say it. I also, on the flip side, don't buy Mary's explanation either. We know that, <clears throat> excuse me, we know that, yes, Mary did have some surgery and perhaps it didn't go great 
I mean, plastic surgery is surgery. And just like any surgery, it can go wrong. However, when it when given that we saw in that first episode that Jen was getting Botox shots in her armpits to deal with the odor, then we have we're hearing about Mary in the same episode with gland surgery, which is a thing, and a lot of times is to address a real issue. It makes everybody a little skeptical about whether or not this issue was something that was a hundred percent necessary. Like Mary has said that this had something to do with some disorder she has that was causing her to get boils. And that could very well be the case. It does not change the fact that whether it was outpatient surgery or what you having your son with your step grandpa in one push and this situation with your glands was not the only time that you were in somebody's medical facility under a knife, considering that we have pictures where there was a point where Mary looked like the spitting image of Candy Burris in her escape days. And now she looks like someone who, God help her, is trying to be a Latoya Jackson imitator. Now wrap your mind around that one. And not only an imitation of Latoya Jackson, only because she's female, but with Michael Jackson's complexion. So there's a lot about her that's a little hard to take seriously as well. But in this moment, Jen is doing too much. The line about the dress looking like a Christmas tree and she should scrub her ass with the loofah dress that she's wearing. That was a good line. I've got to give her that one. So at any rate, we also get a good look at Mary's getup. Now, I saw screenshots of it last week and I mentioned that the dress was a mess and a mess and a miss, but getting that full view and for damn near an entire segment of her in the clunky black heels, the, and, and I don't care what designer they were, they were clunky, white tights, opaque tights, and a Gucci bag. And who gives a shit that is Gucci? It is a shoulder bag with a strap that looks like it's a strap for your Nikon camera with your Valentino runway dress. Oh, and let's not forget the Chanel chains. Okay, with your hodgepodge of designers going to the land of nowhere. Oh, but what I missed, God forgive me, what I missed was the black fingerless gloves or glove. At one point, she was only wearing one. Uh, uh, just a mess. Meanwhile, Meredith is still walking around looking like the big pink scary monster from Looney Tunes. She came, she, I will hand it to her that she came in attempting to be the peacemaker, even if her face doesn't show expression. And ultimately, they fake hug it out because we know Mary didn't give a damn one way or the other. So it was just a scene that was if if it didn't stop it was becoming from a viewer standpoint 
way too much, way too annoying, definitely taking Jen from attempting to be HBIC to just being aggravating and over the top in a scene that was clearly overproduced. And I'm already talking about it way too long. So next we go to a scene that it's interesting because I've seen a lot of things about this, even on Twitter and everywhere, that there seems to be a lot of um, controversy about. And it, it just, and, and quite frankly, I, I don't see why there's any controversy. It's quite clear to me, but I, I will explain in a moment. So we see finally, and maybe this is the first time they've had a chance to interact or more to the point, the first time that the producers have brought them these two individuals together for a scene, we see Whitney approach Lisa. And she began by thanking her for providing the liquor for the, the tequila, I'm sorry, the tequila for her wedding or wedding reception, however. A wedding that was clearly for only maybe 50 people at most in a modest-sized home. And there's a reason why I'm mentioning this part. She also goes on to tell her something that, as a business owner, I would want to know. She tells her that the individuals who she sent to serve the liquor with this benevolent gift that's so benevolent, we got to keep hearing about it, right? That she's this... The bartenders that she sent, whether they were individuals that Lisa subcontracted with or someone that she hired, we don't know. But the bottom line is they came through you to serve your tequila, which means they represent your brand. So I, as a friend or associate, which is Whitney, tells Lisa that the bartenders were out of control. They were drinking, and she even said for every shot they poured, they probably drank one, and that they broke a bunch of stuff and even appeared to have gotten into her husband's top shelf whiskey. And as a side note, I was watching the a YouTuber that I enjoy, um, and I believe she has a blog as well. It's called The Grace Report, and it just so happens that one of the uh, one of the women in the live chat says that she is friends with Whitney, and that she was around when all of this happened, and that it definitely is true, and it actually took them a day or two to clean up the broken glass. So just an interesting side note. Lisa immediately gets defen gets defensive and is pretty much treating this conversation like Whitney is just this brat who is looking a gift horse in the mouth despite, sent despite the fact that she sent her enough tequila to serve 500 people. Now that goes back to what I said earlier. First of all, this is an event that was in a modest-sized home that clearly you could see was at most 50 people. 
And I am sure that is something that was discussed. There is no way that she sent her enough tequila for 500 people. Because for those of us who plan events, have been to events, have contracted for events, all of which I have done and still do on a regular basis, 500, uh, enough tequila to serve 500 people in an open bar setting would fill a room. You would literally have case upon case upon case because not everybody is going to have a shot. Some of this would be mixed in drinks or some people actually like tequila on the rocks, especially if it is a premium tequila. So girl buy, Lisa buy. You don't have to exaggerate your gift. You gave a gift, which she was not ungrateful for. I also do not blame Whitney for mentioning, although some people think it was crass, I don't, for mentioning that we ran out by six o'clock. To me, that was clearly in response to the fact that she said she gave enough for 500 people. You also have to remember that there is a lot that is cut even in an active conversation on these shows. So that fact was probably even mentioned. Girlfriend, bye. You did not give me that much because. Now, moving forward, Lisa said, I'm done with it. This is no big deal, what have you. And she just again wants us all to know this is a gift from her heart she is benevolent in all of this but at the end of the day if i give you a chanel necklace and it chokes you that's your fault not mine well that's a little different if you give me a chanel necklace and it chokes me there may be a whole lot of reasons for that but if you give me a chanel necklace and the person who delivers it shows up to my house drunk falls into the doorway, knocks me over, and while they're at it, breaks an heirloom or two, that is something I'm probably going to mention to you. Not to say that it is your fault, but if for nothing else, so that you know not to deal with these individuals anymore, which if Lisa had gotten her self-righteous, I can do no wrong stick out of her behind, she would have thought about it that from a business perspective, you need to know if someone representing your brand is not representing it well. Those individuals were a part of your gift. Your gift was your brand, which by the way, was there for product placement. So don't think that you didn't know that there wasn't a reason besides your wonderful heart as it relates to a person who you clearly had zero respect for that you gave her that vodka i mean i'm sorry that tequila you gave it to her because you are part of this show you knew it was going to be filmed and so that was additional product placement because all we've heard about is la vida, la vida, la vida. Next, Lisa, give us something else. So she deads the conversation, allegedly, just long enough to walk over to Meredith, play the victim, and then leave. Next. Next, so the party basically ends. 
it's no big deal. I mean, the, the drama was over. The next scene, you see Lisa with her husband, who clearly feeds into her self-righteousness. She just needs him to listen while she tells him, and I quote, I was a good person. I did a good deed. I did a good thing. Okay. And if all of those things are true, you don't have to keep reminding everyone. And when she said, when it comes to the bartender she hired being drunk, quote, how was that my problem? Well, it's not about it being your problem. Now, that is certainly a problem for whomever they work for. And if they are independent business owners, it's a problem for them in terms of losing any further business. I mean, in terms of, yes, in terms of losing any further business with you, it should be good information for your business to not engage with them in business because apparently they do bad business. And, you know, if we want to keep talking about Vanderpump rules, let's look at it this way. She basically hired Tom Tom or maybe even Jax and the, the, the other little freaky bar guy to be the bartenders at Whitney's wedding. I'm not even going to call it her friend's wedding because we know they're not friends. Now, all of a sudden, Whitney has the understanding because she talks to her cousin, Heather, based on a conveniently off-camera conversation with, um, with Lisa that she is a swinger or that someone's spreading rumors that she's a springer, a swinger. Let me tell you something, despite the fact that I'm having problems articulating them tonight because I, again, the voice, I had a holes in my mouth, blah, blah, blah. Words are my thing. Words are a lot of people's thing. I also find that people who like being victims, the Karens of the world, choose their words very wisely. And we know that there are certain people that choose their words very wisely, especially when they use words like aggressive, threat. Um, what are some of the other words? Attack. Someone attacked me, confronted me. And Lisa is definitely one of those people because she never once said that Whitney came to talk to me and things went a little left. Because that's actually what happened. No, she confronted me. She attacked me. Those are the types of things that she said. She's the type of person, and I'm not saying that she would, but just the, uh, the air that she gives. She's the type of person that when I encountered them, I would expect that if we got into any type of disagreement, or maybe if I was her supervisor, and I had to reprimand her. She is the type who would then say, especially given that I'm a black woman, that I was threatening or that I was aggressive or that I made her feel uncomfortable or afraid. Those are the types of words that Lisa uses. And quite frankly, Whitney is not far behind because what I took from their conversation is 
Lisa, despite playing dumb, was as far from it as it relates to this situation. Lisa absolutely knew the implications, and I I refuse to believe otherwise. If I am in the middle of a conflict with you and you think that I am attempting it, what, however irrational I, as in just John Dunn, may think it is, you think that I am attempting to, in some way, um, undermine your brand, despite the fact that we've already established how I feel about that not being the case, then it is not beyond the pale that a person who is reacting so over the top about that would not then have a conversation with you and go, and by the way, just so you know, Folks are saying some unsavory things about you too. I just thought you should know that. Those two things should not be in the same conversation without you expecting that the person you are talking to who knows you are upset with them will not take that as you insinuating, girlfriend, you don't wanna play with me with this because of the tea that I have on you or the alleged T that I have on you. And we already know what people think of you anyway. You're a homewrecker with a stripper pole in your house. So why wouldn't anybody think you are a swinger? See, those types, all of that didn't even need to be said. But because Whitney knows that she's viewed as a home wrecker with a stripper pole in her mouth. It's in, in her house, especially by the likes of Lisa. Lisa being upset with her and just pointing that out. It wasn't a threat. Now that might be overstating it. So that is the one thing I will agree with Lisa on. No, Whitney, it wasn't a threat. It was a warning. There's a difference. Now, the difference is subtle in the sense that if someone gives you a threat, if someone threatens you, I mean, I'm sorry, if somebody warns you, you definitely have a reason to feel a little threatened. But she just warned you. And quite frankly, given what we are seeing of Lisa, that is a warning you should take very seriously. Let's just say that if you were in Tornado Alley, you might want to not ride it out in your trailer and follow what the emergency management system is telling you and hop in your pickup and get the hell up out of Dodge. I'll be right back. Lisa planned a day on the slopes for the ladies and it was actually really beautiful. We were hoping to see the women in their element, but turns out that apparently no matter how long you've lived in Utah, maybe this isn't always your element. 
Mary grew up there and apparently she still can't ski. Um, let's see, Lisa, who grew up in New York, but I think she said she's been there for quite some time and thinks that she's kind of the queen of the, of the Mormons uh, or the Mormon converts. She can't ski. And we have Jen, who I'm going to excuse because she grew up, um, I'm assuming she didn't grow up in Utah, um, although she's obviously been there for quite some time. And the skiers who looked great and Whitney was just killing it on the snowboard. We had Heather, Meredith, and um, Whitney. Now this comes into play because Heather and Meredith had a conversation with, I'm sorry, Heather and Whitney had a conversation with Meredith about their issues with Lisa and more so Whitney in terms of how she was feeling, especially after her last conversation or last two conversations with Lisa. And um, Meredith, of course, gave the party line as, as it relates to her younger uh, twin, which is that um, Lisa does everything with good intentions. So it's just a matter of having a conversation with her and they were going to have dinner later. So obviously that was how it was going to happen, despite the fact that Meredith acts so surprised that it wasn't done one-on-one. Like, girl, you're on the housewives. Come on. If nothing else, you've got your face done up so that it doesn't move because you knew you were going to be on the housewives. So stop pretending you don't know where you are and that this conversation wasn't going to happen at dinner. As a quick side note, Mary, who seemed to make snow angels as opposed to skiing, was a little late because she was waiting on a FedEx package, which apparently was from Chanel because she feels that Chanel makes the best ski pants um, as it relates to her getting wedgies. Okay, we're going to go with that, I guess. I had not thought about it, but okay. For my money, I thought that Jen's leopard print ski outfit was adorable. It stood out, but not in necessarily a bad way. I, I just thought it was cute. Um, it, you know, if, if you can wear it and it looks cute, why not? It was different. And I'm sure she got a couple of eye rolls, but quite frankly, I'm sure she got a couple of folks going, Hey, I wish I saw that before she did. So anyway, the big deal with that whole scene was about them. uh, How do we approach the almighty Lisa? So we get to the dinner. I don't think it was a big deal about the fact that they were supposedly so late for the dinner that the restaurant was cleared and that the restaurant was going to um, allow them anyway. I think we've all watched this long enough to know that was just an unnecessary explanation for why the restaurant was empty. Well, the restaurants in all of these shows are usually empty or there are some production assistants in the background feigning like they either don't notice all of the insane commotion that any normal person would be staring at, or it's like an episode of Judge Judy, where you have people sitting behind the litigants making insane faces like the whole time. So whatever, unnecessary. 
So they get to dinner and Whitney actually starts off the conversation about the talking about the fact that she and her dad are going to go to Mary's church uh, some coming up Sunday. And part of the reason why they're going to the church um, and, and Mary invited them, which was kind of her. Um, and I say that only because I want to see what goes on there. And part, but anyway, Whitney, for the sake of the story, says that part of the reason why they're going there is because she just, she's looking for support from her dad. Now, in whatever form it comes, if it comes from religion, fine. And, you know, and any religion is fine with her. If he decides that the Mormon church is where he's going to get it, that's fine because as I said earlier, there was some weirdness. There seemed to be some weirdness in terms of how Heather received the idea of her father not going to the Mormon church um, and the judgment that he could receive there as it relates to addiction. I just found that to be, uh, as I said earlier, a bit odd when her, the first things out of her mouth as it relates to her Mormon connection or lack thereof currently was related to essentially judgment and discrimination. Discrimination as it relates to um, the LGBTQ plus community and um, against people of color and judgment, obviously, as it relates to certain kinds of music and behavior. So I found her re reaction to be a little odd. Um, Lisa's reaction was what I expected because she just happens to be somewhat involved in the religion based on her husband and conversion and all of that and her overall air of I'm better than you so obviously anything that I do is going to be better. Um, her reaction wasn't unexpected and her reaction as it relates to the uh, judgment issue was not unexpected either. Quick side note, Jen Shaw, whoever did her makeup for this dinner is someone that she needs to keep on permanent retainer or if she did it herself, keep doing it that way. I felt like, and it, it could have also been the lighting because let's face it, um, women of a certain age, and I'm one of them, lighting is, and, and angles are everything, uh, on camera or off. And the lighting in that room, maybe where she was sitting and how the, the camera hit her, and combined with the makeup, because again, I, I really thought that it was done well. It softened her. Her angles on her face were not as square. Um, it, you know, I didn't really pay attention to the outfit all that much, to be honest. Uh, I was, my eyes were drawn to um, that furry pink jacket that Lisa had on, and not in a good way. It had a snuffleupagus feel to it except pink and um and of course mary's hat and expressions at the table like bugging out her eyes and all of that kind of stuff i was like oh geez um but at any rate uh back to the judgment thing not unexpected uh when whitney 
talked about feeling judged by Lisa. And it was very interesting because Lisa was, I mean, she had some reads, but she would not really allow Whitney to get out what she was attempting to say. And what I found um, is that she know she had she knows her sweet spot with Whitney. I do not think that Whitney, despite the voice and you know being pretty and obviously younger than them and blonde and all of that, that she is what the assumption is or sort of how she has really been set up to be, um, you know, your typical, and I hate to say this, but I'm, I'm just going to say it for the purposes of how she has been sort of cast as um, the blonde of the group, but you know what I mean when I say the blonde of the group, uh, kind of like Portia being the blonde of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. I don't think that that is 100% where Whitney is coming from. I, I think that Whitney has some layers, but I, and, and she's got some reads in her too, but I think that when it comes to Lisa, Lisa just knows how to shut her down. And one of the ways that it appears works well with shutting um, Whitney down is simply to talk over her because Whitney doesn't want to fight with her. I don't think she ever did. And I don't, I don't think it's, at least the initial conversation started out with her feeling threatened by her. In fact, I think she probably felt a little uncomfortable, but felt like this is some information that she, you know, owed telling her, but which of course, um, Lisa did not take in the manner in which I felt that it was intended. But, um, I just think because she does not want to fight with her and just doesn't seem like the type of person who wants to fight, period, uh, that type of person is easier to shut down than most because the whole confrontation piece is not where they want to go. And quite frankly, I don't even think it's a matter of being non-confrontational or afraid. I think that she genuinely just does not want to fight with her, that she never felt like anything between them merited the energy that is being given to her. And for that, I actually commend her because, yeah, she made her little comment about the Casamigos thing and all of that earlier. Um, but I, I actually commend her because a lot of people, however we may feel and and hell I, i'll use myself as an example if i'm trying to have a conversation with you and there is no part of me that ever no matter how long the it was going on or what your reaction is to what i'm saying but there's no part of me that ever wanted to fight with you i you know i'm gonna start out that way but because i am a natural fighter not like a shit starter but just i'm i'm one that you know if i have to fight or you bring me a fight uh, you're gonna get one then if you give me the kind of energy that lisa was given to whitney no matter what my intentions are oh you're getting that energy back and then some and trust you won't be the one shutting that conversation down
the conversation will get shut down when I decide the conversation is over and not in some overwrought, ridiculous Jen Shaw talking about a hospital smell kind of way. It will probably be shut down with you crying because you will not believe the things I said to you. So I, I, and I thought that her way of just saying to her, I don't judge you because I don't care enough to judge you. Excellent read, but to me, so over the top for the moment. Um, and I think part of that too is again, number one, she's condescending and self-righteous and two, or her behavior was, and two, that, um, she knows that Whitney pulled her car. She knows that not only did Whitney peep, uh, did Whitney <laughs> peep game on her warning, because remember I told you earlier, not a threat, it was a warning, that not only did Whitney peep game on her warning, but that Whitney told the crew about said warning. I also think that whole like, swinger thing going on in Utah is very interesting. And quite frankly, despite the fact that I'm sure there's going to be folks there that come out and deny it, there is not one part of me that doesn't think that that is true. One, why wouldn't it be true when you're dealing with an area that is known for polygamy anyway? And so swinging would just be a different way of doing that if you're uh, trying to change it up on the sexual nature. And two, just looking at it from a broader perspective, we know that the porn industry in the United States is driven by the flyover states. Look at the stats. So folks might be praying but they might be doing a whole lot more spanking and screwing and praying. And if they can't do it with anybody, they're watching it. So not surprised by the swinger thing at all. And the whole thing about, you know, calling the houses, it, it, that was just a lot of fun. Um, and hell, if Whitney and her husband are swingers, then who cares? I don't think much about the swipper, uh, um the pole in the basement one way or the other. Um, okay, some people use it for fitness. Some people use it for fun. They're grown. Do you? Um, you know, uh, she's still with her man. And so whatever they do works for them. And, you know, considering how they got together and the odds of couples who get together actually working being in very low, even higher, um, the odds against it, the odds against it in terms of the divorce rate being even higher than the normal national divorce rate of 50%. And that going up to like about 70, maybe even a little higher than that. Um, it, you know, hell they're doing great. It literally, if they got divorced tomorrow, the fact that they were, they were together, have been together for the past 15 years is still a major achievement. So whatever they're doing, swinging or not, seems to work. Lisa, once again, 
My intent is always good. I cannot help how you guys perceive me. This is my thing with that. If your intent is always good, then you would definitely be conscious of how people perceive you. Because if these individuals are supposed to be your friends or even close-ish associates, like closer than most since you are doing this circle for our purposes. Um, uh, you know, if they were African-American, we'd probably say this sort of sister circle, um, at least for the purposes of the show, a good person would care about how they are perceived, especially if the way they are perceived is as someone to be feared or someone who is mean or condescending or any of those things, someone who is threatening, whatever it is, that a good person would be concerned about that because again, it's not about what you think you are doing. It is as it relates to other people, if you care about them, then you care about their experience of you. And if their experience of you is largely negative, then you need to take stock of what you are doing under your umbrella of being a good person that might not be so good. Especially if individuals are coming to you in a manner that is both constructive and expressing that they are they feel hurt by you but again doing it in a relatively constructive manner now yes it is in a group but these are supposed to be a group of so-called friends ish and you know you're filming a tv show and these shows are 15 years in so you know how it works so i uh say I call a foul on the play with that one. Heather's crying. I wanted to just throw something at my television because as I said earlier, and I, I won't get deeper into it, girl, you know that she's being shady. You said it yourself. If you never knew me, then how would you know true or not true about things I supposedly did? If it, if you didn't know me, then you at least allegedly knew of me so much so that you are spreading rumors about something that you did not even see me do yourself. So at the very least, just admit you knew of her. And if she doesn't admit that she knows of you, who cares? Apparently, she's not as known as she thinks she is either. And by the way, there's a lot of tequila drinkers out there who, you know, whose first experience, since we're talking about experiences of her, who had never known of La Vida either. Staring at a shelf for however long in liquor stores all over. And nope, 
I've seen tequila by the rock and Michael Jordan and no la vida in multiple states not trying to shade your brand but again if we're talking about levels of success girl it's fine at the end of the day arguably you're both big fish in small ponds and if you go by what Katie from Vanderpump Rules said Lisa is not only a big fish in a small pond, she may even be a big fish in a small pond only in her own mind. Just putting it out there. And finally, I'm just going to end on, on this note because I had to ask some people. I'm telling you, I literally went to my white girlfriend Rolodex and had to send it and had to send it to them because you know everybody black just right off the break it was like black twitter went and not to mention the group I have on Facebook going literally what the fuck about the thumbs up meeting f you because even those who think that the thumbs up I, I even uh heard someone say that they just assumed thumbs up was just somebody kind of being a little condescending like yeah girl like whatever and even that didn't fly with me and most people I know um and, and and I have teenagers and I asked them and they were like what the hell are you talking about and both of them go also go to predominantly white schools as well and they were like uh yeah what are, what are you talking about thumbs up is just thumbs up you want to say f you there is an emoji for a middle finger you don't have to be subtle about it. You don't need an emoji for something there's already an emoji for. So you all tell me. Um, it, because, and, oh, and by the way, with my, um, with my uh, SOS to uh, my white girl posse, yeah, they said that is not WPS as far as they know either. WPS being white people shit. So I don't know where that came from, but I did think it was funny that Heather feigned like, what, what are you talking about? And then in the confessional was like, uh, yeah, I, I did mean that as nephew. Maybe it's a Utah thing and that's fine because that's what we're doing, right? We are learning about these Real Housewives of Utah and apparently that is how they say F you. Okay, I guess that's how we do it. So that is all we have today. I went a little bit longer, but that was, you know, the first uh, 12 minutes uh, was me giving you all some tea because if we're going to talk about these folks, we got to stay informed. So what's coming up? Um, obviously, you are still, we're still in nonstop November, so you're still going to get me every day. Tomorrow, I'm going to give you my take on the Real Housewives of Potomac's reunion fashion looks. They were released and um, God, they could, they should have kept them. There's, there's just no real reason for us to have to have that on our minds for however many weeks before the reunion and then be subjected to uh, an interminable uh, three, possibly even four unnecessary episodes of the reunion. I guess they're working that out. I would much prefer that instead of 
dragging out the Potomac reunion that they use some of those blocks on Sunday night that clearly are available since they show that show like three hours in a row and then watch what happens to uh, dissect it that they take this show and give it the viewership bump that it deserves by putting it on Sunday night even if briefly, just like they did in order to give the other um, shows the jump start they needed and then put them on. Because I don't know how uh, the show did last night. I hope that the ratings were higher than they were the first week. I would suspect even if not a lot, um, probably incrementally because of the word of mouth and the fact that the cast um, his, was doing cast parties with advanced episodes, like for instance, they did one um, tonight for episode three. I'm not sure how that counts for as it relates to ratings, but I hope it helps. I think that this show deserves no less um, attention, at least for what we see so far, than any of the other shows that are nowhere near as good right now. They may have been in their heyday, but certainly not right now. Um, the Real Housewives of New Jersey had, has had seasons that were literally unwatchable, which is kind of where the OC is now, which is um, giving this one a crappy lead in. So that, that would be my advice to Bravo, Andy. If you take it, you take it. You invested a lot in this show. You might as well give it uh, give it the best shot possible. The uh, and so that's it. I'm going to talk about those looks tomorrow, and I'm going to let you go. Remember to follow me on all social media platforms, and be sure to interact with me. I would love to interact with you. If you DM me, I will certainly DM you back as long as we keep it respectful. Um, I also, when I post this on my Instagram and Twitter, obviously you can comment right under this particular episode and we can have a dialogue there. Don't forget my group on Facebook. All of that information is in the info box, but just in case you like hearing me say it, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Be Honest JJ or, uh, uh, ugh, I can't even talk, <laughs> at Let's Be Honest JJ, um, which is L-E-T-S-B-E-H-O-N-S-T-O. I can't even say it. Did I say it right? <laughs> guys i am recording this at 1 27 a.m so we're gonna try that again at let's be honest jj that is l-e-t-s-b-e-h-o-n-e-s-t-j-j for just jonda and of course the facebook group at fashion and drama diaries um on facebook and you can join and We'll take it from there as we keep it fun, we keep it respectful, we keep it current, especially in fashion and drama diaries, because that is every day, even when it's not nonstop Thursday, I mean, nonstop November. And, um, you know, it, in fact, sometimes, especially if it is a busy news or celeb news day, um, then it may be several times a day. It just depends on what's going on. And the conversations regarding this show as well as those reunion looks because i've already posted some stuff there has been very lively otherwise be safe wear your mask and i hope that we can all do this together again 
tomorrow. And remember, if you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, I'm thinking about it and definitely want to talk about it with you. So let's be honest together. Good night.